Morning. I will, uh, I'll give you one hint what I was doing this weekend. It has to do with this. Any guesses? Nope, not basketball. Fishing. What kind of fishing? There you go. There you go. If you know me, I love getting into hobbies, but I don't think there's any I enjoy as much as fly fishing. I, I love preparing. I went fly fishing yesterday morning. The night before, I had to go out and get my license. It's the beginning of the year. I was getting out the, the different rods, preparing the line, looking at the flies. Then I love the work of it. I, I love trying to perfect the cast. Listen to this. I love this noise. Isn't that great? If you're on the third row and you fall asleep during this message, it's like, just, just write that. I, of course, I, you know, I love trying to get the line to lay right down into uh, the perfect place where the, the trout are, are resting. There's nothing like actually hooking one and then the fight. And then I love the fruit of it at the end. I love firing up the grill and, and seasoning a trout and feasting on it at the end of the night. I, I enjoy fly fishing. What do you enjoy? What, what's the activity that you enjoy the most? Like if you had, maybe a good way to say it is if you had a morning or a whole day off and you could do the activity that would just bring you enjoyment, what would it be? I know for many in this church, it would be surfing, getting your board, heading out to your favorite spot. I know for others, it would be going to your perfect coffee shop and getting that frothy, steamy, perfect drink. I know for for others, it, it, it might be hiking, or it might be getting that perfect book and diving in. You know, the, the amazing thing about us as humans is we've been given a capacity for enjoyment. There's actually parts of your brain that regulate enjoyment. And so for those of you that never thought you'd use neuroscience that you were forced to take, listen to this. This is amazing. The... the uh, amygdala is actually a, a part of your body that regulates your emotions. The, the nucleus accumbens it controls the release of dopamine, which is the kind of enjoyment uh, release in your body. The, the ventral tegmental area actually releases the dopamine. The cerebellum uh, controls muscle function, but it also is uh, very important in the release of pleasure. And then the pituitary gland releases beta endorphins, which decrease pain. But it's not even just your mind, it's your heart. Have you ever been doing something, and in the middle of, of doing that, you go, wow, my heart feels so full? Your heart experiences and, and your emotions, and not just that, but it's also your body. If you've, if you've been a part of recreation, the word is actually recreate, and you, you actually leave feeling physically refreshed. Can I just tell you that God is the author of enjoyment? And if you grew up in, in, in some type of churches, you actually can't believe I'm talking about enjoyment and pleasure right now. Because you were just taught, no, it's, it's just discipline, it's it's only suffering. It's church people should look like they've been sucking on lemons all day. And although life and walking with God is not all pleasure and enjoyment, it is a very important part of our life. And let me propose to you, actually, as if you don't lock in on this, you won't live the abundant life. 
the life to the full. You won't live that whole and fulfilled life that God's created you to live. And let me actually propose to you today that the most enjoyable being in the universe is God. And in fact, he has created you, your mind, your emotions, your soul, your spirit, to enjoy him above all other things. If you don't believe me, listen to these few verses. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When's the last time you were? Mmm, God. You, you, you ever watch like the, the, the cooking shows and, you know, I kind of like them, but then I'm kind of annoyed because I can't taste what they're talking about. The Bible says, oh, taste and see. Jesus is not supposed to be a cooking show where you just get to watch someone else enjoying them. I wasn't in the notes. That, that's, that's revelation for some of you. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. A lot of times we focus on the desires of your heart, but how about delight yourself in the Lord? Can I just tell you, you can delight in God. Song of Songs, one, two. Now, obviously, we know this is a, uh, written between Solomon and his bride, but can I tell you, for 2,000 years, the church has understood that the higher reading is between Christ and the bride, which is the church. And so it says, for your love is more delightful than wine. You take the greatest vineyard in Southern California, and God's love usurps it. But isn't that interesting that he had talked about something that would bring a sensation to us? Psalm 84, 1 and 2. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. When's the last time you were walking around going, oh, I'm yearning for God. And you faint. Why'd you faint? Did you not have enough water? Was your blood sugar low? No, I need more of God. So I fainted. I love what David's saying here. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. You know that Snickers commercial, and it's talking about your flesh, and you're not you when you're hungry. Hey, you're not you when you're not feasting on God. You don't need a Snickers bar. You need Jesus. <laughs> Psalms 27.4, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I desire, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. What if the one thing you want to gaze upon more than anything, even more today than going home and watching the Chargers, you want to go and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. The Chargers might lose, but Jesus won't. And I want them to win, by the way. Okay, Lord, bless the Chargers in Jesus' name. <laughs> Psalm 16, 11, you fill me with joy in your presence. Can I just tell you, you get in the presence of Jesus and he fills you with joy. Listen to this next part, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. How often are we talking about pleasures at church? The true pleasures are being at the right hand of God. Can I just tell you that I found spending time with God the most enjoyable activity in all the earth. I like it more than fly fishing. And before you put me in one of those weird ascetic monk, come off a mountain in a cloud of mist kind of guy and say, I can't relate to him. Let me just tell you, that's not how I started. That is not me. Beer commercials. That is what looked enjoyable to me. Okay, I, a lot of other advertisers 
I don't think they're very good, but beer commercial advertisements, in my opinion, the best. Growing up, they would have the manliest men, the womanliest women, and they, they, are, they are just, they're having so much fun. Have you ever known? I mean, they're like on the beach. It's exciting. It's beautiful out. They're smiling. They're laughing. They're dancing. And I'm like, beer covers. That looks like the abundant life, right? And then when I was a kid, they even had a dog. It was, his name was Spud McKenzie. And he came, some of you older people remember Spud? Spud, and it went like, super party animal, his name was Spud McKenzie. And this little like pit bull terrier comes out on a skateboard, and I was like, I want to be like him. <laughs> I, I found myself wanting to be like a dog because he showed up, and everyone's like, ah, and it was so exciting. Juxtapose that to what I saw as like my religious life where for me, we got up, went to this formal building. I had the most starched shirts, so my arms like could barely move. Then I listened to a pastor to speak over my head the whole time, and I would be falling asleep. It was the most boring hour of my week, and, and, and so it was my problem, but I was falling asleep, so I would pinch. I did two things to stay awake, pinch myself, which really is painful, and then the other one was holding my breath, Okay. Because I found that it's, I've only fallen asleep one time holding my breath. And that was really embarrassing because I went, woo! But, uh, and then sometimes I'd pinch myself while holding my breath. So, church, religion, boring, beer commercial, Spuds McKenzie, enjoyable. Right? That's how I saw it until I went to the university and I experienced this college group of young people and they were so stoked on Jesus. They were so excited. They'd run to the front. They're, they're lifting their hands. They're smiling. They're dancing around. I remember them singing the happy song. It was called the happy song. I was like, can you sing the happy song in church? But more impacting to me than them in a big group, because, you know, it can be fun to be in a big group, was when I would be at lunch during the middle of the week or walking to class, these people talked about Jesus when they weren't at church. Like, that's what they wanted to talk about. And they talked about experiencing, experiencing him and loving him and what he was doing in their life. And I thought, what is going on with these people? And so they had a mission trip to Mexico. You hear about me talking about it often. I encourage every person, get on a mission trip with us. They go down to Juarez, Mexico at spring break. I had a chance to go to Vail to ski. And instead, I was like, you know, I've got to check out what these guys are doing. So I went to a dusty border town called Juarez. And I learned soon that part of their rhythms, they said tomorrow, it was the first night, there. Tomorrow, we're going to get up, and the first thing you're going to do is spend time with Jesus. And I went, oh, good. They said, an hour with Jesus alone. And I went, ooh, ooh. Like, felt like someone was holding me underwater. Now, I had grown up in church. I had heard about quiet times my whole life. Now, to me, I'm not a quiet person. So a quiet time didn't sound exciting. My youth pastor called it the seven from heaven. You know, we always have neat names as pastors to get things catchy. And so it was seven minutes of spending time with God, I couldn't do it. Seven minutes. I'd set my alarm. I could, I'd be like pounding my head on the Bible like, come on, I can't get through these seven minutes. It was so, I couldn't spend seven minutes, right? I'm so, I could be so spastic. I know you don't think that anymore, but. Um, and... Uh, But they gave us some helps to do that. And, 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 and here's how to study the Word. Here's 
how to pray. And, and Kindle's actually digitalized that. It's on our website. We've expanded that. I encourage you on our, on our resource page, if we could put that up, there's a FaceTime packet. We don't call it quiet time because your time with God's not always quiet. The Bible talks about shouting uh, with a voice of triumph. It talks about singing. It talks about dancing. It talks about clapping and raising holy hands. And so what we want is not to have a quiet time. We want to have a FaceTime where you're meeting with God. You feel like you're face to face. The Bible talks about David was friends with God. Moses saw him face to face. That's our desire. So I started doing that. I, 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 the first day it was so hard. The next day it got a little easier. The next day a little easier. That trip was eight days. At the end of eight days, it felt like I was connecting with God. I, the Bible started coming to life. And let me just say, after that, I never turned back. From then on, I've spent at least an hour with the Lord a day, not out of trying to win God's approval, but out of wanting to be his best friend. And that's my greatest desire for you in this church is that you would be a people who spend daily time receiving God's love and showering love back to him. You know, it's an amazing, amazing thing to become a person who enjoys God. And the first thing I want to talk about today is becoming people who enjoy his word. I have a loving father. His name is Bob Herber. He's not much of a writer. In my whole life, I think he's written me three letters. But you know, those three letters I've held on to. I actually have one in my office, and I've read it numerous times. Why? Because in that letter, God, Dad, sorry, I get them confused. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> you're like, who are we listening to right now? Uh, he's expressing his heart. More than anything, that's what this book is. It's a love letter from your father. You know, some people say, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. I don't like that. I, it, this isn't an, just an instruction manual. This is a love letter from your father. A, 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 who else has a, a book written straight from a loving father to express his heart to you. How blessed are we? Can I just tell you, we're the most blessed generation that's lived. Do you know that the first God followers actually didn't have the book written down? Like so many people that you read about in the Bible, they were just trying to follow God, but they didn't have a book that they could open up every day and hear his words. And then finally, in 500 AD, the, the, the Bible is canonized. And so, so all of a sudden, all of these books are written, but the average person didn't have it. Do you realize that? Paul would say like, send the parchments here and I need them over here. The average person didn't have access. And then it wasn't until 1500 that the average person actually even had it in their language. For years, it was just in the Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, and then the Vulgate was translated into Latin, so the average person didn't have it. Martin Luther says, let's put it in the every man's language in 1500, but even then, only wealthy people could afford a Bible. You know, even in the beginning of my life, in, in my short life, things have changed so much. In the early days, we actually had to buy Bibles. No, think about that. You're the first generation living on earth that has access to the Bible for free. What an, have you thought of that before? What an incredible generation that we live in where you have the word of God in any translation you want at any moment. And, and, and I remember when I started getting on fire for God that I was like, I'm gonna carry a Bible all the time. And I bought a Bible and I put it in my back pocket and then it kind of got shaped like, you know, circular, uh, <laughs> 
And, and I'd pull it out and put it on my desk and it would kind of go like this. But, but I was carrying the, the Bible. Do you know that now you, pl- I, I really hope that you've downloaded the Bible app. So you have the Bible at all times. You can read it at any time. You can push play and listen to it at any time for free. You can watch different parts of the Bible at any time. We're the most blessed generation. But the question is, are we receiving every day God's love letter to you? You want to get to know God's heart? Listen to his word speaking to you. Now, some of you say, well, that's not enough. I I need more from the Bible. Well, I've got more to give you today. Listen to this. Here's six more benefits. There's probably a hundred, but let me just give you six benefits from reading the Bible if just receiving God's love from it is not enough for you. This is all from Psalm 119. So Psalm 119 is a chapter in the Bible about the Word of God. Number one, God's Word leads to a blessed life. You say, I just like to be more blessed in life. Well, then read the word of God. Listen to this. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord, or that could be the word of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes, or that's his words, and seek him with all their heart. You're blessed. Number two, God's word guides our steps. I, I just need to know what to do in life. I don't know what to, where to go next. I don't know what job to take, where to live, what I should do with my life. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word gives us wisdom. The unfolding of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. You know, I've never felt like the smartest, and maybe I'm not the best best academic, and, and I don't know these different things. Can I just tell you, I've met brilliant people scholastically who aren't that wise. And then I've met uneducated people who have a wisdom that's otherworldly. Can I just tell you, get in the word of God and you will get wisdom from heaven. God's word lifts our burdens. You say, I just feel so overwhelmed. I just, I, I just feel so weighted down. Get in God's word. It says this, my soul melts away for sorrow. David was being really real there. I'm totally sorrowful, but then it says, strengthen me according to your word. You need strength today? Get in the word of God. God's word brings joy. I just feel so down. I feel so downtrodden. I feel depressed. Well, listen to this. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. You need joy? Get in the word. God's word gives peace, perhaps the most desired possession on earth. I just want to feel peaceful. I don't want to be anxious. Well, listen to this. Those who love your law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. What if you could say, nothing causes me to stumble? That's what it's like when you're living in the Word of God. So let me turn the corner today and just quickly talk about four secrets to enjoying the Word of God. As we're in a Secrets of Enjoying God series, let's talk about four secrets to enjoying the Word of God. Please take notes on this. This is going to help you. Number one, number one secret is preparation. Say preparation. preparation. No one just stumbles into fly fishing. It, it is uh, an art that has to be learned. You have to prepare. In order for me to go on Saturday morning, on Friday night, I had to do different things to prepare. I had to go get my license. I had to go get my fly rods and line them out. I had to make sure I had the right line. I've had to practice. I've had to, to learn the stroke for it. You, you have to prepare if you're going to be a student of God's Word. Let me just really simply tell you how to prepare. First of all, you got to get God's Word. It's never been an easier time, but let me just tell you a couple resources. I talked about the Bible app. 
Let me also tell you about the Bible in a Year app. We've been talking about this the past two weeks. This is what Kendall and I are going through right now. How you can just really easily, it takes about 15 minutes a day if you, if you went fast. You can read through the Bible in a year with a great commentary. So here's the app. Highly encourage you to download this. For some of you, you're saying, I want to go deeper. I want to get into the original languages. I want to see more commentaries. Here's another one, the Blue Letter Bible. I love this. You can actually push on a Bible verse, and it will give you the Greek interlinear or the Hebrew interlinear. Highly encourage you to download the Blue Letter Bible. Get your apps. Get a translation that you like. I'm an NIV guy, but I read a ton of different translations in order to have a more holistic understanding. There's NIV, ESV, NASB. I love those. Amplified amplifies things. I love different paraphrases like the NLT. But get your Bible and get it ready. Secondly, if you're going to read the Bible, you've got to have time. Profound. Now, in order to get up early, because I believe in seeking God, the first thing to have that as a foundation of my day, if I'm going to get up a little earlier, that means I need to go to bed a little earlier. Or for some of you, go to bed at all. You gotta go to bed. And here's what I see. The enemy works overtime trying to keep us up at night. So here's the deal. Kind of at night, we get a little lazy, and then we're just flipping through the channels, and then all of a sudden we see on Discovery Channel, wait, they might have discovered a mermaid. <laughs> wait a second, are you telling me mermaids are real? And then you get hooked, and it takes you through the whole hour of the show, and at the end you find out there's no such thing as a mermaid. But you lost an hour of your life that you can never get back. Can I just tell you, mermaids aren't real. Go to bed so you can seek the Lord. No, here's another one. They might have found the city of Atlantis, the lost city. I got to stay up. It's not real, folks. Just go to bed. The enemy is trying to steal you away from God, right? You don't need to know the next British way to bake a cupcake. You need Jesus. Wow. I just came out. I don't, I don't know. Here, here, here's, here's the deal. You got, if you're going to get good time with God in the morning, you've got to get to bed at night. And some of you, that's just going to make you a sweeter person anyway if you just get a little more sleep for us. Then if you're going to get some extra time, you can't just set your alarm five minutes before you got to get out the door to school students or, or right before you're going to work or right when the kids are getting up, right? You, you actually got to set it a little earlier. Man, I know this is like, but this is going to change some of your lives. You got to get to bed earlier, set the alarm a little earlier. Then you need a place. Right? You just can't do it in all the chaos. I'm going to go spend time with the God. God, you know, you point a students in the center of the calf. You know, that's just, that's the place. Or, you know, I'm just going to be spending time in my Bible around my three infants, feeding them. You know, that's just probably, you need to get in your prayer closet, the Bible says. Now, do you have to be in a closet? No. In college, I had a little tree that I went off to. Now, as an adult, like I've actually had rented my homes or even bought the homes I've had to, if I can find a little study. Like where is the place I can spend time with God? That's actually how, it's been a very important part of how I choose a home. 
because that's the central part of my life. So I get my study, I get my little desk, and it's the place I know I'm going to go and meet with God. Do you have your place? Get your place to spend time with God. It doesn't have to be fancy, expensive. It just needs to be your place. And then get what you need. I have my music. I have my journal. For years, I just have a little hardback journal. Then I got a little fancy, got a leather-bound journal. Then I went, you know what? I'm faster at typing anyway. So then I just changed to my iPad, okay? But, but I have that. And then, you know, to, to go out fishing, I know I'll do better if I have a partner. So I called Glenn Fromang. I said, hey, I'm going to take my kids fishing. Do you want to come with me? Why? Because I, I want a partner with me. I enjoy that with someone else. And also, he's a person who's really well-versed in that. So who's your accountability partner? Who's going to ask you what you've been reading? Who's someone who might be able to help you? Those are ways to prepare to get into the Word of God. Now, let me talk about actually the work of being in the Word of God. The first one I want to want to talk about is meditation. Say meditation. Why do I call it meditation instead of reading the Bible? If you guys could bring out this whiteboard for me. I call it meditation because we read the news, or you read something on Facebook, and we can just be like, see, spot, run, jump, Jane, jump, and, and we're just reading so fast, and then your mind can be somewhere, and you're just reading, but meditation, let me, let me give you the synonyms of, of meditation, contemplation, hmm, thought, thinking, some of you guys read without thinking, but we want to take the Bible, and we want to meditate on it, musing, pondering, consideration, reflection, prayer, deliberation, study, rumination, cogitation. When's the last time you cogitated? <laughs> now, it makes me think of a cow chewing the cud. I, I grew up on a little ranch, and I would watch cattle chewing the cud. Sometimes I was jealous of our cows because they just had such a good life out in the green field. Interesting thing about a cow is they chew the cud and then they swallow it. But in order to digest it, the interesting thing they do, do you know this about cows? Is they regurgitate it. They chew, swallow, and then they're like, hmm, that was really good. And they throw it back up into their mouth. And they're like, let's try that again. And then a little while later, man, that meal, I wonder if it'll be even better the third time. And they chew it again. You'll never forget this. <laughs> you need to cogitate. You need to chew on the Word of God. So what I do, if you turn with me to Psalm 103, that, that chapter that Jason was reading earlier, Psalm 103, this is what came to mind to show you how I meditate on Scripture. I'm asking myself three questions. Who is God? A revelation of who is God is the greatest purpose for reading the Bible, to understand who God is. This Bible points to who God is. Secondly, who am I? I don't want to know who the world says I am. I want to know who God says I am. If you want to know that, you find it in Scripture. Lastly, what do I apply to my life? What can I apply today? So as I read the Scripture, I like to, this, for years I just draw out three columns in my journal. Now I do it in my computer. But I read the scripture. Praise the Lord. This is Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul. And all my inmost being, praise his holy name. And so what do I say? Who is God? Well, he is holy. 
He is worthy to be praised. And then I think, what does it say? Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Huh, I have a soul. I have a soul. That's interesting. And praise the Lord, oh my inmost being. I have an inmost being. And I was created to praise. Okay. And I was created to praise him. Okay, what should I apply? Huh, I should be living a life of praise. Am I going to praise God today? This tells me to praise. And I go to the next part. You see how I'm just chewing on this word. I'm not just reading through it. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. Oh, praise his holy name. Boom. Go. That's, that's how a lot of us read the Bible. Got it done. One chapter. Boom. I'm out of here. No, you're supposed to chew. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who is God? He's, he has benefits. Who am I? I am one who is benefited. What should I apply? Huh, I should get to know his benefits. You see? And, and when I do this, what happens is I'll be reading and all of a sudden I'll have revelation of who God is. Can I tell you, the reason people spend so much time just on their phones is because you have an insatiable desire for more. More knowledge, more information, but there is no higher information than the revelation of who God is. God has put an insatiable hunger to always know more, to always learn more, but the greatest thing to learn is who he is, and nothing will satisfy the human spirit like a revelation of who God is. We partake in meditation for the purpose of revelation. But I don't just stop there. So that's meditation. The second thing I do with Scripture, so the second work is memorization. Say memorization. Memorization. Now, I love to actually memorize the Word because when I do that, it becomes literally part of me. Like the Word of God actually becomes a part of who Robert Herber is. Do you know that your memories are actually this combination of electrical impulses and chemical reactions? And so there's this thing called neuroplasticity where you, by what you memorize, by what you take in, you actually shape the form of your brain. Did you know that? Do you know that you, but the Bible says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I don't know about you, but I had a lot of mental battles. Like as a young man, I really dealt with lust. I dealt with anxiety. But do you know that you don't have to be a slave to your thoughts? People say, well, don't get stuck in a rut. Do you know where that comes from? It comes from, well, here's an example. I grew up in a small town where the stagecoaches had passed over a low water crossing on the Chisholm Trail. It was the, it was the big cattle drives in the stagecoach tro- uh, uh, crossing, and it was in a city called Round Rock. And there was this big rock where they looked to see, is it shallow enough? But in the, the, the limestone, the rock floor, there were actually ruts cut out from so many wagons going through. And the interesting thing about ruts, if you ever drive on a dirt road, 
It's called getting stuck in a rut because your tires will slide down into the ruts. And a lot of us have ruts in our mind, these ruts of negativity, these ruts of lust, these ruts of, of self-hatred, these ruts of, of jealousy. And you know that you have the ability through scripture memorization to renew your mind and create holy ruts. So I started giving my mind to scripture memory, and now what does your mind go to at rest? If you give your mind to scripture memory enough, you'll be just walking around and find that your mind just starts quoting scripture involuntarily. So the Bible says whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. How do you do that? How do you just choose that? By memorizing scripture, creating a new mind. So I've used all kinds of ways to memorize because that's not a natural gift to mind. Some of you just go, well, I'm not naturally gifted, neither am I. So I'll do things like put scripture to song. I know that the whole creation groans in the pains of childbirth up into the present time. Okay, you're like, that's an interesting scripture. Yeah, I couldn't memorize it because it was so weird in Romans 8. So I just made my song to it. Right, here's another one. I was having pro problems with the end of Philippians 2. So I put it to a little rap. All of you who are confused should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too, God will take care of you. So just use, here's another one. Here, here's one for, for this. This was a hard one for me, Psalm 103, because there's all these things that God does, and it's like, well, he forgives your sins, and then he heals your, your sicknesses, and he redeems your life from the pit, and I was like having trouble. So I use acrostics, right? So forgives your sins and heals your sin, uh, heals your sicknesses and redeems your life and crowns you with love and compassion uh, so that uh, satisfies your desire, so your youth is renewed like an eagle. And I was like, oh my gosh, what F-H-R-C-S-Y? Well, friends helped Robert see Stephanie's youthfulness. And so now I've got Psalm 103 is permanently in my brain through memorizing it using this acrostic. So I can just call up Psalm 103 anytime. Can I just tell you, if you need to replace some junk in the trunk, put some scripture in your mind. It will renew your mind. Lastly, memorization, but then adoration. Use the scripture for adoration. Have you ever noticed that a couple goes out on a date and they look at each other and then speak adoration to one another? So you take the manliest, burliest, toughest, football-looking, you know, defensive end, and he gets with his girl and he's like, hey, my love. You're so beautiful, my little boo-boo. And you're like, you just called her a boo-boo, bro. And, but you see her just oh, melting. And then she speaks back to him, and he's like, mm, right? And by speaking our love, right, we, our hearts feel warm. We are caught up in the experience of love, and we bequeath it to someone else. That is how you grow in love. I continue to tell Stephanie how much I love her, how beautiful she is. Well, you shouldn't have to, Robert. You told her that the day you got married. No, I need to keep telling her that, and as we do that, our love has grown. 
And so God has created you with a need to express your love to him. And as you do that, then you get wrapped up in his love. And so I take Psalm 103, and I don't just read it, praise the Lord on my soul and on my inmost being, praise the Lord. I, I take it and I go, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Oh, Lord, you have so many benefits. You've just touched me, and you've spoken to me, and you've filled me with the Holy Spirit. I love your truth. And, and I just start going off with his word. And he, he forgives all your sins. Oh, Lord, I was such a loser. I was always sinning. I was so caught up in my sin. And, Lord, I just can't believe it. On the cross, you shed blood. You washed me clean, and you give me a new place. And I don't, I'm no longer a slave to shame anymore, and I feel free. And Are you seeing how I'm using the word to adore the Lord? Take the Psalms. On my lowest days, when I don't even feel like I can pray, I just open the book of Psalms. And I find a psalm that's expressing gratitude to God, and I just start speaking it out. I read it out loud. See if you don't experience your heart coming alive because you were created to adore God. Meditation, memorization, adoration. And you start working on these things. Don't expect your first day to just be in heavenly bliss. You gotta, you gotta practice. You gotta work. Anything that is worthwhile is worth your while. And so you take time doing this. So let me let me just finish with this. Back to fishing. So I go out yesterday. Here's a little picture of me out fishing. Uh, and you know, I didn't catch anything. In fact, I didn't even get a bite. You know, some days, that's why they call it fishing instead of catching, right? And, and, and it's the same with my time with the Lord. It, every day, I'm not in like the Shekinah glory realm. My face is melting off. I'm levitating. I've got God goosebumps all over me and angels singing. That's not every day. There's some days that are just, they're a little more dry. They're a little more disciplined. But can I tell you... If you don't go fishing, you'll never do any catching. Can I tell you, if you're not casting, you're never hooking. You got to get out there. And I, I tell you, even yesterday out fishing, I noticed, oh, my cast is getting a little better. I've been with Joe Ewan. He had shown me a few more things. I'm laying that line. I didn't get snagged yesterday in the cattails. I might not have caught a fish, but I can tell I'm gaining more and more authority and I'm gaining ground and, and you know what on those days where you're not feeling like that super intimacy no but I'm being blessed no but I'm gaining wisdom no but I'm, I'm gaining direction he's guiding my steps can I just tell you as you give yourself to a life in the word that the Bible promises God rewards those who earnestly seek him he will reward you let me just challenge you as we finish this sermon. Would you take the January challenge? I am challenging our church to make a concerted effort that every day for the rest of January, you would start the day by being in the Word of God. If you miss a day, it's okay. There's always the next day. But would you try to be in the Word of God for the next days of January and see at the end of January if something doesn't seem different in your life? 
See if your life is not enhanced. See if you don't feel wiser. See if you're not more connected with God. See if you didn't fall into sin a little less. Let's stand up.